Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Kalou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast coming up in the next hour or so. Ligue 1's strikers go on strike, but Mbappe has at least been eating his greens as PSG crush Le Ver, Camavinga piles the misery on Lyon who lose Depay and Ren Adelaide. Renato Sanchez remembers he's a brilliant footballer. Loser scores the winner for Nantes and Toulouse live up to their name for an eighth week running. With me this morning, David Crossan has braved the uh, the strikes of Paris and he's made it. More rain this morning, Dave, but you, you made it safe and sound. That's how motivated I am. If only the league and players could show the same levels of motivation going forward. Yes, I mentioned the striking strikers. We do still have this national striker in France. Uh, the strikers did turn up, but they, uh, they, they weren't particularly sharp. We only had 15 goals, having seen 35 the previous weekend. Robbie Thompson has had uh, a few metres to travel from his bedroom to his lounge. How are you, Robbie? Very good, thank you, Matt. And can, very nice uh, compliments for the intro. Pun fest, very good. I like it. Yeah, well, I thought we needed, uh, we needed some puns to, just to sort of get going because like I mentioned, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a particularly thrilling weekend from a, a goal point of view, but an awful lot of stories and uh, some positive, some not so positive. Let's start with uh, one of the big results and uh, a game which has uh, also witnessed a couple of very bad injuries. It was Leon against Wren and David Crossan commentated. Awa. Awa still going. Awa gets the shot in. And Mendy saves. Benjamin Burijo hasn't scored in the league this season, but nearly does there. Lopez tipping it around. Under the eyes of the likes of Michel Platini. And Alain Jures, Lopez saving Lyon. It was very well directed by Bourigeau. Rafinha. Oh, the shot by Nyong and Lopez down well. Bourigeau. Del Castillo. Capri knew that Del Castillo would try to cut back onto his left. Del Castillo to Camavinga, Rafinha to his left, Camavinga carries it on, great run by Eduardo Camavinga, this to win it, the 17-year-old Eduardo Camavinga scores, and Ren score in the 89th minute. Dave, a, a late winner for Eduardo Camavinga, the 17-year-old uh, who has become the youngest goalscorer in Ligue 1 since Neil Mopé back in, uh, in 2012, just 17 and uh, one month Camavinga. And uh, he's piled on the misery for Leon, who not only lost at home, it's, uh, it's seven defeats in the league so far now this season for Leon. They're eighth in the standings. And we heard an hour or two after the game that uh, they've lost the services of two of their best players, Memphis Depay and Jeff Ren Adelaide, for, for a long time. Both have done anterior cruciate ligaments. Dave, it's, uh, it's a terrible weekend for Leon. And the worst thing is definitely the injuries. And. Um, their results at home haven't been good and having real trouble scoring goals at home. That's five of their last seven home games that they've not managed to score a goal in. And that's one of the reasons that the Group Armour Stadium fans have been getting upset amongst others. Um, the game on Sunday should have been a celebration because Bernard Lacombe was heading off into retirement. 
Bruno Genesio and Remy Gard were back at the club. Genesio back for the first time since he left. And it was good to see a lot of old faces from Leon. Lots of Lacombe's friends were there, the likes of Platini and Gires. So it could have been a celebration because the the Virage Noor, who had um, brandished that anti-Marcelo banner that caused Memphis Depay to get so upset on the Tuesday night after the Leipzig game and Leon qualifying for the Champions League, were right behind their team. The Virage Sud was shut, but the Virage Noor were behind their team. And uh, it just didn't happen. Leon didn't play well. Depay wasn't playing well before he got hurt. When it comes to his injury, the surprising thing for me is that he went off to the sidelines for treatment. They put a bit of tape below his knee, so I was already worried about him. And then he went back on and played for another 15 minutes, which probably showed his motivation. I think the damage had already been done by then. And then in the second half, um, the French TV managed to cut away to a picture of Ren Adelaide on crutches and Depay leaving the ground. And then the, this terrible news came in, meaning that they're going to miss the rest of the season. And that's going to be the major problem for Rudy Garcia, who had been going along at two points per game up until that defeat against Wren. Wren themselves now on a run of five straight wins in all competitions. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a strange week. Just to uh, to add to what you mentioned about Bernard Lacombe, uh, he is the all-time record goal scorer in Liga. He was uh, fantastic. 255, top French goal scorer in Liga. Yeah. Okay, yeah, thank you. Honest, no? Oh, yeah, Deli Honest. Oh, yeah, is he? Yeah, <laughs> is the overall re- record holder. But he's he's a Lyon man, despite the fact he had a very brief spell, that which didn't go well at, at Saint-Étienne. But he's managed the club. He's been the sporting director. He's a huge Lyon man. And it was it was good to give him that send-off. But the game wasn't good. Uh, Robbie, it's been it's it's been a funny week for 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 Leon. Funny, not necessarily in a humorous way, but they they qualified. They showed good character to qualify mm-hmm. for the Champions League last sixteen. A disastrous first half against Leipzig. They were two 0 down. They came back thanks to uh, to Memphis in particular, who was uh, tremendous uh, again in that game. And and then after, instead of having a celebration after the game, there were there were incredible scenes. Um, some of the supporters came onto the pitch. There was one supporter with a banner. Dressed um, as a donkey? Dre- the supporter was dressed as a donkey. There was no. the, uh, the, the, the banner, the banner, had, had, a, a, the banner had a picture of a donkey and Marcelo. And there's this huge kind of spat between the supporters and Marcelo ever since they clashed at, uh, at an airport. Um, it's then been, well, there's for, been, I'll, I'll just, yeah. put, just give you the background before launching you, Robbie, because Marcelo has... Uh, has responded. He's obviously very upset about it. He stuck his finger up at the supporters. We then had uh, Marcelo's wife on social media accusing Anthony Lopez, who's a former Leon ultra, of, of siding with the Leon fans. So there's this kind of gulf, it's a bad gulf between the fans and the players. For me, for me it, this whole thing reeks of, of a club that it's something's not right. That's when you have problems with the fans like this, when you have all these rumours around the club and it's been like this for a while the fans have been unhappy with Leon for so long with Pep Genesio and you're you're never quite sure where the players were where the players sat who they were siding with now we know that ultras are very powerful groups within football clubs in Europe on the continent and they they like to have this feeling of power that they can influence what happens on the pitch but it, it never should influence it this much and the fact that you now have these two very serious injuries for me I agree with Dave the, the absence of, of Memphis Depay above all for me for the rest of the season is a huge, huge blow for Olympic Lyonnais, no matter what happens from now on. He, goals, he is their one the player the, that really could pull that whole club up by the bootstraps and lead them. And uh, his yeah, no, absence I now is huge. 
just uh, on the subject of leadership, I, I was starting to think that this was an inspired move by Rudy Garcia to get Memphis Depay involved with everything, making him the captain. Uh, if I was his teammate, I'd have loved his reaction to yeah, that Marcelo to the, banner. Yeah, because yeah, Memphis Depay ran up to this supporter and tried to grab the banner off him. The supporter rather cowardly sort of uh, walk, walked away, didn't stand up to, no, to, to, to Memphis. I thought Memphis spoke very eloquently afterwards as well, saying, you know, I've, I've had a, a difficult background and the way I reacted reminded me of the man I used to be. I've matured now, I've calmed down. But uh, it does show that if, if provoked on the behalf of someone else, he was willing to stand up for the team. And for someone who's the biggest criticism of him has been that he's arrogant, distant, not, not a team, a team player. player. Mm. I, I thought that was really good to see. So it is really unfortunate, particularly as yeah, he scored in every Champions League game he'd played this season, scored nine league goals. And let's be honest, Dembele is not in the same class. Uh, it leaves Aouar far too isolated as far as I'm concerned. And I think those two injuries are going to cost them a potential podium finish. Well, I think Dembele certainly doesn't have the leadership qualities and perhaps the character. He's a very different player. He's a... He's well, I think he's been forward. exposed you... as um, being just below top class, to be honest, this season. But he's, he's, he's still mentioned as a possible breakthrough player to get into the France squad. I don't think he's at that level. He's only scored one Champions League goal over two seasons with Lyon. Yes, he's a very good league and scorer, but maybe more in the Bafatimbi Gomez, Andre Pierre Gignac style rather than a, a step above. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. He's still, he's, he's still a young player. I'd be very concerned for Lyon at the moment. I've, 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 through the years, been a big admirer of Jean-Michel Aulas, despite his constant uh, provocation, etc. But I, I just feel he's always managed Leon in a, in a tremendous way. I'm slightly worried about the way he's managing things now. The appointment and, uh, of Silvino and then Rudy Garcia. The fans are still very much dubious. A lot of them are against Rudy Garcia. This week, he's been saying, well, actually, um, it would have been maybe better to have kept Bruno Genesio. Incredible to say which, that. Which is incredible. incredible to say that. Yeah. So you've got Janino <laughs> as well, the sporting director, who's essentially been pushed to one side in terms of media duties, but was given the chance to talk this weekend. Um, and he's, you know, he's talking about Nabil Fekir and the fact that we don't have players now who can be decisive like him. I mean, this is not, this is not what you want to hear if not you're a, a Leon fan. Not a side moving forward. Not a side looking to the future and saying, the new challenges, come frankly, on with these guys, know, let's yes, move on. Results were better than this under Genesio, but it wasn't great. Life at Leon wasn't great under Genesio and people... People have perhaps, you know, short memories, but I just feel given those ingredients, given the fact that a lot of supporters are against Rudy Garcia um, and, you know, let, let's hope they can turn in a great performance in the last 16 of the Champions League, but there is every chance they will be dumped out of that competition. Um, it, it could be a very tough second half of the campaign for Lyon. And we, 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 we will talk more about supporters and the influence of supporters in France, but before we... We, we move on. We need to talk about Ren, who have won five out of six. Um, Julien Stéphane uh, uh, is, you know, we talked to him up a lot last season as a very exciting young French trainer. He had a difficult couple of months this term, but he seems to have weathered the storm. He seems to have come through it. Ren are now fourth. They've got a game in hand, just a point behind Lille. What, what did you make, Dave, of their performance? They've got a pretty good record over the years away to Lyon and uh, another, another good win. Yeah, they do. They're one of Lyon's bet noirs. They've won three... Uh, league seasons in a row. They also won that Coupe de France semi-final, which precipitated Genesio's demise because had Lyon won that, Olas was all set to give the press conference announcing Genesio's contract extension. So they've been a, a significant player in terms of Lyon's uh, recent history. Uh, but Stefan, yeah, considering well, this is going in waves, isn't it? At the start of the season, Camavinga stars, uh, they beat Paris Saint-Germain, we talked them up. Then they had a terrible run. They were shocking in Europe. 
even though they went in front at the Stadio Olimpico. And we started saying Stefan's in trouble. He's now gone past the year mark. He's managed to turn it around while staying calm. And his team are actually playing very good football at the moment. But um, Rafinha, I was worried that they'd been sold a, a player on false pretenses at the <laughs> start lemon. of the season. But um, after about 20 minutes yesterday, Garcia moved Rafael from left back to right back because Rafinha was beating him every time. Um, and he looks full of confidence now. His touch has improved. He's got an understanding with Nyong, so suddenly there's more mobility, there's more skill in terms of the way they play. Kamavinga's outstanding, as we've said before. Yeah, so just mature. A, a, a word about his goal as well, because you know we talk about him being the youngest scorer in ages, mm. but it wasn't just a tap-in or a deflection. No, solo goal. But uh, Anderson, the, the, defending, the way yeah, Anderson Anderson's turned his back and moved out of the way and ushered him towards goal wasn't very clever. Anderson's <laughs> defending was shocking. But Dave, let's look at the positives. This was a 17-year-old sauntering through the heart of the Lyon defence yeah. in the last five minutes and having the composure to finish. Yeah, and already a France under-21s international, having got his uh, French nationality and passport sorted out. And he is one who is going to make that breakthrough. He is, as long as he doesn't suffer serious injury and keeps progressing, he is going to end can up you, as a can, senior French can you international. See him, yeah, can you see him already this summer being involved? I think Didier Deschamps um, does take the attitude that if you're good enough, you're old enough. But I think it might come slightly too soon, um, Euro 2020, perhaps the, the next World Cup campaign. Yeah, France have still have plenty of players in midfield that can, that can do a job, I think. And you don't want to boost up all these players too early. But there are so many great young players coming through at Saint-Étienne. And we'll talk about this in a bit. William Saliba is sidelined at the moment with injury. But uh, Wesley Fofana is just three or four months older. Than, than William Saliba, and he's been playing in central defence all season as well. So they're just producing these fantastic players. Tongi Kwasi, 17 and a half, playing in midfield in the Champions League for Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, they're, they're just, France still just produce these incredible 17-year-olds. Can I just say one last word on Ren Because I think that the less glamorous players need more mentioning. Um, and I think we're quite good at that on this podcast. Just look at our team of the decade in the defence we chose. But uh, Damien De Silva, Jeremy Morel, and Edouard Mendy. If you've got those three protecting your goal, you've got a good chance of getting results. Yeah, Edouard Mendy made a number of good saves in goal for Rennes and was still uh, called Edouard Cisse on French TV last night by Jocelyn Gorvenek. But he was, he did, he did quickly correct himself. But Edouard Mendy, uh, Senegalese goalkeeper, who moved from Reims uh, last summer. He's doing, he's doing well after a slightly, after a slightly shaky start. Um, you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. We will, just a little bit later in the pod, be discussing the uh, the best strikers of the decade. We're putting together our team of the decade. We've uh, already got, how many, eight members of our team. We're going to be picking the final three. We've uh, we've had a bit of feedback from you already. We'd love um, more comments, more more suggestions. Uh, LeagueArmPodcast at gmail.com is our email or on social media. Uh, you can use the hashtag LeBourgeux. There's been a number of incidents involving supporters in, in the last few weeks, and I wanted to dwell on this just for a, a few minutes because I find it very interesting. We mentioned the fact that the ultras have this presence, have this important role on the continent. They certainly do in France, and they certainly have a, a very visible role at the moment. We saw that with Lyon. At the weekend, it was the case again at Toulouse. Toulouse were beaten for the eighth game in a row. They lost at home against Reims. Remy Udin scoring the winner for Reims, who were going very nicely indeed. And just before the end of the game, a group of um, 
the uh, the Indians, the uh, the supporters group at, at Toulouse behind the goal, um, came out of the stand. A few of them were were leaving. They were fed up with the team. And a group of about 20 or 30 of them decided they wanted to go towards the presidential stand, the main stand, to confront Olivier Sadran, the president. There were some pretty ugly scenes. I don't think the supporters were overly aggressive or violent, but they, 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 they were accosted um, in, uh, in pretty forceful manner. Some of them got across to Olivier Sadron and said, this is just not acceptable. This club is going nowhere. It's been mismanaged for years. Olivier Sadron afterwards, the uh, Toulouse owner, has, uh, has come out and said he agrees that it's not acceptable. And he's actually offered to reimburse season ticket holders if they want to give their season ticket back. He says, we will refund you for the first half of this season. No for the problem. second half. For the second half, if of the you season. don't want to come and watch anymore because you've had enough, we'll give you the money back for the second half. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, you you can't reimburse what you've already uh, what you've already witnessed. But you know, it it it, it is interesting. We've seen uh, so the Virage Nord in Bordeaux was uh, was shut this weekend following their protest. Recently, we had some fairly bizarre scenes at the end of Saint Etienne PSG when uh, Saint Etienne supporters, one of their groups, <laughs> decided to start a firework display at the end of the game before the game had actually. Finished and uh, well, Nim have been protesting as well. The yeah. Nim fans with their their side down in the relegation zone as well. It it seems like a common theme at the moment, doesn't it? Is it is it going too far? Is it a positive thing? I think for, I I just want to give my point of view because I feel that fans um, are largely neglected, largely ignored in a lot of the major leagues, and I think it's important that fans continue to have a say and uh, and that owners and players realize what the point of football is, why they're being paid this money, why they are playing, what they are representing. Um, I think there's no accountability in a lot of football clubs. Uh, in England, for example, you, the, the players turn up, they're mollycoddled, they're protected from everything. You often see in France, yes, you see these protests, you see this communication, you see players at the end of the games going and talking to the supporters. And I, I think there's definitely a place for that. Perhaps there's not a place for fireworks at the end of games. Um, but, you know, I, I, I would suggest this is a positive thing in the French I game. agree wholeheartedly, Matt, with your, your sentiment that without fans, football just doesn't exist. It's not the, it's not the, the global phenomenon that it should be. I, I, I agree 100%. However, I feel we could have had that without these, these football fans needing, feeling like they're obliged something. I, I get the feeling sometimes that they feel it's their, it's their right to ask for better results. You're always in a league of 20 teams, two or three are going to go down. In a match of football, if it's not a draw, one team is going to lose. And these, you have to be able to accept that a little bit. And I think ultras, whether it's in Italy, in Germany, in France, in Spain, they, they feel that there's some sort of obligation uh, and a refusal to accept that perhaps you were second best on the day. Perhaps you're second best. Perhaps you're the, the 19th best team in Ligue 1 this season. Perhaps you're the 20th best team in Ligue 1. And that's just the way it is. But I mean, if, if Toulouse are just allowed to carry on the way they're going, the club, the club dies. I mean... But it's the same every season, Matt. There are two teams that go down. There's a, a team that, that hardly wins any matches every season. And that's in every league mm. around the world. And I agree that the fans need to be respected. And every club wants to have a full stadium. Every club wants to have ultras behind the goal or in a section of the crowd full of colour singing and cheering because it's the atmosphere, it's the, it's the party, it's everything you want from a football match. And I agree with all that, but I also feel that you have to just sometimes accept 
that Paris Saint-Germain cannot win every single match. That Toulouse cannot win every single match. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough, Rob. But I think when it comes to these ultras, they have to... It is great. We need the atmosphere in grounds. Otherwise, what's the point, really? That uh, Especially if the football's as entertaining as it was over this last weekend. Um, but there have to be limits to this. That uh, when you're starting to hassle Bruno Genesio when he's out at a restaurant with his family, that's going too far. Call him all the names you want from the stands. Get that out of your system so that you don't do it elsewhere. Fine, that's part of being a football fan. But I do think the, the, the chap with the Marcelo banner went too far as well. Uh, I, I think I'm right in saying that the club had offered for him to meet Marcelo. And I, that can't be right. That if you yeah. have something that bad, you shouldn't be no, rewarded was, for your ne- behaviour by yeah. being a, having the chance was, to meet a first team player. Down and let's talk this out. Yeah, yeah. and the Lyon fans did have a pretty nasty banner aimed at Marcelo's wife at the weekend. Yeah, mm. And I, I, I agree with you. I think I, I agree with you, although I'd say that um, shouting every name under the sun at Bruno Genesio in the stadium isn't necessarily something that should be allowed either. Yeah, no, I mean, but, well, but let's also look well, at the I reverse mean, you know, side within, of it. Within is, reason. I, but I, 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 I'll, football, I'll, re- I'll maintain that football grounds are places where you can get away with saying things that you can't in, in everyday life. And I do think that should continue yeah, without I th- I excusing everything. Well. I agree with that as well. That's the, that's the fervour and the passion so do I, that football it's not, it's generates. Not very PC, is it? But you're not allowed to say that. But the, <laughs> this, this idea that, that there's so much passion around football. Everyone loves it when the, 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 the sums that television companies pay for rights are handed out at the end of each season. Everyone goes, yes, fantastic. Football is so important. 1.2 billion euros for, for, for the Ligue 1 rights for, for the next four years. Fantastic, fantastic. But when, in return, this... I mean, that means that people are making money out of it. That means that people are interested in football. That means that, it's, that it goes beyond the normal realm of your, your normal community life. Mm. So with that comes, unfortunately the occasional moment where people overstep the mark, where someone does say something at a restaurant, where a player can't go out in the street, can't go shopping yeah. because everyone recognises them, because they want an autograph, because they want a photo. That's what comes with this. So look, it's a, it, you have to find the right balance. It's also very political that there are rivalries between supporter groups of the same clubs. We know that uh, away fans don't turn up in huge numbers to league and games if they're allowed to attend at all that about a 1,000 would be a huge away attendance. So that means instead of you singing against the away fans who are singing the whole game, which they are, but it's just it's hard to hear them because sometimes they're not yeah, big on number. they're only 20. Uh, so whereas in, in some places you would have this constant battle between the home fans and the away fans, sometimes it becomes one end of the home section against the other end of the home section. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... it's, it's... It's an interesting debate. It's it an interesting it's debate. Like, I think anything, Matt, it's where passions are involved. It's about finding the right balance, not going too far, not going over the top. There's, there's room for everyone. I think people can appreciate that, that passions run high at the same time. Mustn't overstep the mark. Oh, yeah, it all comes back to what's one of the songs they sing all the time, one of the, the biggest football cliches. He for Mouillet le Maillot. As long as you sweat. say something else for a minute. On a bien en place. But as long as, as long as you sweat for the shirt, as long as you try hard, that's the minimum that supporters should demand. And they, in, they have every right to be angry if players aren't trying. Yeah, as Rob says, there are some who are less talented, but everyone has to put in a shift and look like they care. I think the Saint-Étienne players mouied their, their maillots. They, they wet their shirts on, not on Sunday night, but it wasn't good enough against a PSG side that was exceptional. And uh, Robbie Thompson saw the action. Di Maria outside for Mernier. Chance for Paris Saint-Germain here. Bernat cleared off the line. 
by Matthew Debushi, driven back in. And the goal, a first in Ligue 1, a first for Paris Saint-Germain, for Leandro Paredes. Oh, well, I think he's slipped there, surely. Aulu, he has scythed down. Leandro Paredes, nobody could quite believe it. It's a red card. The pass from Neymar gets away, and it's a good early ball for Buenga. Denny Buenga for Saint-Etienne, oh, and he wastes the chance. Well, that's a good ball. Mbappe this time. And they haven't been able to hold on until half-time, Saint-Etienne. Neymar with the assist. Mbappe with the finish. Paris Saint-Germain 2, Saint-Etienne 0. Icardi. They're queuing up in the middle again. The ball for Neymar now. Taking on Debussy. Penalty, says the referee. Neymar looking to continue his scoring form of late. Oh, and he's hit the post. The pass is a good one for Buenga. Denny Buenga. Oh, with the toe poke just wide. Here's Kozava again. The cross in deflected. Icardi. Goal. Number 13 for Paris Saint-Germain, for Mauro Icardi. Here come Paris now, attacking the fireworks end. Mbappe. The shot and the goal. Kylian Mbappe runs to the travelling supporters. It's a fantastic finish. No chance for Ruffier. Robbie, PSG 4-0 uh, victors, uh, Saint-Etienne having uh, a sending off early on, Ahulu with a, a nasty uh, mm, challenge in. on uh, Leandro Paradis. And yeah, 1-0 uh, down already. It was, it was going to be an uphill struggle and Claude Puel's team, who were missing an awful lot of players, couldn't live with this PSG side that, that, that lined up with its famous four, the four attackers. It was a 4-4-2, um, Di Maria on the right, Neymar on the left, Mbappe and Icardi through the middle. That's certainly how it how it I call started them the on paper. For Matt, because famous famous for me, and that's is the famous five. The, that's the book that I grew up with, the Enid Blyton, the famous five. So I can't go with famous four myself. I went with fantastic four. Fantastic is fine. Okay, but thank you. <laughs> they were accused of being the lazy four recently, and you can't play these four because they don't track back. But there was well, there was a lot of running. There was a lot of collective play on Sunday. And. Interesting to see Leandro Paredes preferred to Marco Verratti. Perhaps Verratti coming back from injury a, a little bit. Has been, hasn't played the last three games. But um, Paredes in a two-man midfield. We saw it against Galatasaray as well alongside Tongi Kwasi there playing again in the centre of the park. And uh, he's starting to find his form. Capped off with that goal, which has incidentally been awarded to Neymar, not Leandro Paredes. So he still hasn't scored his first goal officially for Paris Saint-Germain. But it was a, a great goal. 1-0 after 10 minutes. The sending off really just finished the game. Denny Buanga could have fired Saint-Etienne in front, but they were always going to be trying to hit on the counter-attack. They had chances. Buanga had a good header. Loic Perrin had a good header in the second half. But uh, if in those situations, you really have to have 100% accuracy. You have to score with every possible chance you have if you're going to have any chance of playing against Paris Saint-Germain.
Dave, I, mm. pa- Paradis has taken an awful long time to, to settle in France. He's been very average for a long time. The last few games, we're starting to see a proper play. He's an Argentine international. He's you know clearly got a physical presence. He's got quality. My question to you is, can we envisage, can we imagine a 4-4-2 um, with a two-man midfield where Marco Verratti could be under pressure to keep his place, considering that Idrissa Gay is going to come back? Um, Gay and Paredes in the champ because if you've only got two, you need physical guys who are going to cover the ground. Well, you've got Marquinhos there as well. Sorry, yeah, but, Dave. Go. Yeah, no, I, I can't see them going with the four-four-two when it comes to the, the round of sixteen of the Champions League. I think the the draw is going to be made while our crack team of editors are working on this program, so we can't talk too much about that. But I'd be very, very surprised if it was Mbappe, Icardi, Di Maria, and Neymar lining up in the same team come that match in February. So Paradis more of a, an option oh, in, a, in, in a three-man. I'm, I'm going to remain a Paradis sceptic until this is proven over a longer period of time. I'm not going to say one game against Santander no, or just, a few more no, games. No, but I'm saying he's a contender now. Before, he was, wouldn't even be part of the conversation about who Tuchel might play in a big game. And Herrera is going to come back as well, isn't he? But I, I still don't think he is that much part of the conversation, I'll be honest. Okay. I think, I think he's definitely progressed under Thomas Tuchel. And, and something this season, he he's accepted that he needs to improve, that he needs to change his game a little bit because he, he was really that classic Italian number six, just sideways passes, um, not trying to, to, to attack, not try and be positive in his football. And that's changing. He's starting to have a more positive presence as well. And that's what Thomas Tuchel well, he's, wants. He's playing because Gay's out, isn't he? Gay, Tuchel and wanted Herrera. Gay in, in yeah. January, got his man in the summer. So Paredes knows that he was the backup choice and that Tuchel prefers Gay. And Gay's performances have shown he deserves to be in the team. So. Neymar is starting to look like the Neymar we all wanted to see for for so long. Is is a corner being turned, Robbie? I think that he's he's finally getting fitter because let's not forget he's had two injuries as well that have that have hampered his his play this season. Um, that plus the fact that he wanted to join Barcelona during the summer, which didn't make uh, his life easy at Paris Saint Germain. I think for the moment, he always tries to play this same style, doesn't he? And it's infuriating for opposition players. We saw and we spoke about the Montpellier reaction to him. It was, it was similar again this week, except that he's getting faster. He's getting fitter. He can make more runs. He can make himself open for, to receive the ball more often. He can come deeper. And all of this means that he's having more influence on, on the football. However... He did miss a penalty, which is very, very strange for Neymar to yeah. miss a penalty. He sent Ruffier the wrong way, but Ruffier didn't move until very, very late. And that's a real battle of, of, of wits between keeper and penalty taker. Only one penalty of five scored this weekend in Ligue 1, by the I, way. I'd, I'd like a quick word on, on the other forwards, that Kylian Mbappe is about to become the world's best 21-year-old. And uh, as a, an English speaker, I'm sure he's a regular listener. So happy birthday to Kylian for the coming Friday. Uh, but Icardi, I, I'd like to make an Icardi a new, a new uh, sort of, you know how we always talk about things in terms of the size of a football pitch or the size of Wales. These are quite British cliches. I'd like an Icardi to be, I don't know, about four, five metres, because that's the distance he always scores from. If you lay his eight goals end to end, you're not getting to the halfway line. What's, what's so amazing, <laughs> Dave, about his goal against Brest? This season, of all thirteen that he scored for PSG, outside six yard box, no, no, uh, inside the six yard, <laughs> inside the six yard box, <laughs> the only one that's inside the six yard box. Pass. He took. He takes two touches yeah. of the football to put it in the back of the net. Otherwise, it's all been one touch finishes. We actually had a, a big interview with him just two days ago uh, for PSG TV, and I asked him a lot of questions about his positioning 
and uh, and he says that's his role. His role is not mm. to be involved in in the play. They've got amazing strikers all around him. His role is to make runs off the ball to make space for the others or be there in the right place, invisible in the box, just to finish. And that's what he does. Yeah, no, that's it. It's very difficult to get yourself space so that you can have a tap in inside especially, the box. So we have to recognise that that you, is a, a rare quality. Especially when you play for Paris Saint-Germain and the opposition in Ligue 1, certainly, are playing with nearly nine players in that six-yard box as well, trying to defend against you. Icardi scores a goal every 18 touches of the ball. That Incredible. is about as many touches as it takes Neymar to pass it. It was only 16.8 when we did the interview. But he, he was involved a lot more in the football uh, last night against The Centre-Gen. question is, Robbie, has he done enough to edge Cavani out, not of this PSG team, of the team of the decade? No, Ooh. of course he hasn't. <laughs> but that does allow me to move on to our team of the decade, the strikers section. So we have our defenders. I haven't listed them. I think I know it, know it off the top of my in head. Goal. In goals. In goals. Dev Mondonda. Right back, Christophe Jale. Centre backs, an all Brazilian pair, Vitorino Hilton, Thiago Silva. Left back, another Brazilian, Maxwell. And the midfield. Now, this did provoke some heated another debate. Another Brazilian. Last week. Do we have another Brazilian? Yes. In the midfield, we have Fabinho. Fabinho, yes, six, forgot right. about him. Fabinho <laughs> in the holding role. Well, actually, he shouldn't be there, Matt, if, we, if, if you no, can't No, no, no. Thiago Mota's Brazilian as yes, well. Yes, exactly. Thiago Mota. He's Italian, Dave. So, <laughs> fellas, just for those who missed last week, we've got Fabinho, we've got Blaise Matuidi, we've got Marco Verratti in our midfield three. Thiago Mota had um, a real sort of case that was well argued by Robbie, but it was, uh, and by Armel, but it was uh, overall. And I think Andy Scott as well uh, weighed in afterwards post-pod. Uh, as well, he should have been there. Yeah, where Andy is he this week, <laughs> Dave? You didn't want you didn't want. To, no, uh, I think he's oh, talking he's, about oh, Andy Sorry, Scott. Andy should have been there. Yeah, yeah, not 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 Motta. Um, no, 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 Ben Motta. No, Armel was also adamant that Dimitri Payet should have been in our midfield instead of uh, Blaise Matuidi. Now we've had Frederick Otar who has uh, emailed us with an Opta stat saying Dimitri Payet has delivered ninety assists in Ligue 1 since the Opta analysis started in two thousand and six. At least. 30 more than any other player. I demand retrospective action. We've also had Alex Tremblay, who uh, would like to see Dimitri Payet in the team of the decade. He says, you need some more panache and creativity in midfield alongside Matuidi uh, and oh, Verratti. No better option than Marco Payet. Verratti has enough creativity and panache for an entire league. Yeah, anyway, team. Alex Tremblay um, is also pleased that Florent Balmont got an honourable mention and he wonders why we didn't mention Clement Chantom, which, which... Yeah, France international. <laughs> no, yes, I think he did play for France. Uh, did he not okay. Chantom after getting called up? Was it one of those? I don't, no, I I think don't he's remember. Got a, I think he's got a cap. Or maybe he has. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start I'm going to start with my strikers. under Carlo Ancelotti. Now, I have tried very hard. Oh, we also had um, an email in from Matthew Delabre a um a Marseille fan uh from the United States of America who said Matt I was fully behind your proposal to include Lucho Gonzalez in your midfield and couldn't believe the other guys laughed it off didn't laugh it off Lucho Gonzalez I think we all said was a fantastic footballer but 6 months of fantastic football no 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 2 years isn't necessarily Lucho you, you all know about Robbie's Paris Saint-Germain tendencies his leanings but his biggest leaning is towards Argentinian playmakers Lucho is the archetypal <laughs> yeah. Thompson player I think Pastore even got a mention before we went on air and we 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 told him to stop that 
But listen, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the forwards, and I want I'm I'm desperately trying to get somebody from that Marseille uh, 2010 title winning team into the team of the decade. I know that Hilton um, was at Marseille at the time, but he didn't he didn't really play. I've I mentioned Gabriel Heinzer, I've mentioned Lucio Gonzalez, so I'm gonna go with Mamadou Nyong because Mamadou is a is a Marseille legend. He was fantastic in that season. Of course, Lucho was sort of pulling the strings behind him, but Mamadou was excellent. So, um, so there you go. I'm going for Mamadou. How many goals did he score after 2010? I don't oh. have that statistic to hand. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, well, I'm going to go with Musa So then, Matt, if you're just pulling out players that, that uh, so, score a lot of goals yeah, and win the Musa title. Yeah, Musa So, Olivier Giroud. Well, where, when it's your turn to, to, okay. to argue, you go for Musa So, Robbie. Um, but that means you maybe you can't go for Ibrahimi- Ibrahimovic and Cavani. I'm, I'm going to... I'm hesitating quite a lot, you know, between Ibra and Edinson. I, I'm a big Edinson fan. I think the impact Ibrahimovic had was was phenomenal. But in terms of attitude, in terms of work rate, in terms of loyalty, in terms of number of goals scored, I'm going for Edinson Cavani through the middle, and I'm going for Eden Hazard on the uh, on the flank because Eden for me was just uh, an absolute joy to watch during his time at Lille. He uh, was what 2021 when they won the league title. He then Scored 20 goals the next year, very nearly helped Lille retain their, their league title, despite Olivier Giroud also scoring a lot of goals that season. And so that's, there you go. Hazard, Nyong, Cavani. Not bad, eh? Not bad, but you can't go past Ibra, Matt. <laughs> I, I don't think... And no, so you're going to have to... We're going to have to discuss this at length. Ibra is the first choice in the team of the decade, full stop, no matter what position. Ibra, when you have a blank sheet of 11, Ibra goes in first. There's, there's, there's no debate. No debate can be had and all you've done is just ridicule yourself. Why? Why? I mean, podcast. you're saying no debate. Let's hear, let, let's hear your arguments why Ibra, also known as Ibrahimovic, has to be in this team. <laughs> because... Mamad. Mamad. His, his attitude on the pitch <laughs> completely revolutionised Ligue 1. He brought the eyes of the world onto Ligue 1 as well when he signed here and he performed right from the start to the very final match when he showed everyone that he was a king and a legend on the football pitch at the Parc des Princes, scored again in the Coupe de France final after that. But that moment, that crowning moment of, of six seasons in French football, uh, just unbelievable from Ibra. And uh, no, his, his goals, Didn't he do four seasons, goals, Rob? Five. No? Five seasons. 2012 to 2016? We're just checking that. Can I just um, confirm that he went missing in the Champions League? Although... This is um, this is Ligue 1. This is Ligue 1. And it, for his goal against Bastia, the back heel, uh, deserves to be in the team of the decade. Although in that same game, Cavani scored an unbelievable a nice goal. goal. A better goal? I don't he know. did score an unbelievable goal. So they scored two each. It's Latin, 2012 victory. until 2016. 113 goals in 122 Ligue 1 appearances. So that's one for you, Rob. What are your other two? My other two up front. Uh, well, Moussa So. You were meant to prepare this before, Rob. I have. Moussa So. <laughs> and uh, for a Marseille player, let's go André Pierre Gignac, who if he'd scored and won the Euro <laughs> for France in 2016, I'd, uh, I'd have had him there as well. So, right, so right, and Gignac. I'm let, just trying to get Ibra across the line. Let so me, that means throwing in a couple of red herrings. Right, Ibrahimovic is in my team. And the, that era, 2012 to 2016, was the Zlatan Ibrahimovic era. He dominated this league. And what Rob says about the excitement, that is so true. I, know, I was back in England in the summer of 2012 and wondering what the new league and season would bring and walked past a news agent. This shows 
it's almost like time travel, isn't it? I didn't have my smartphone out checking the latest news. And I saw L'Equipe. L'Equipe was on sale in London. Ibrahimovic signs for PSG. And I thought, this is fantastic. Suddenly, I'm even more excited about the new Ligue 1 season. And he did everything with his charisma, with his goals, to get more people enthusiastic about Ligue 1. So, Ibra's in my team. I'm going to destroy the Mamadou Nyong argument right now. Can I just say, Dave, just before you destroy <laughs> Mamadou Nyong, what's more important, to get a few people um, excited on some high street in Essex or wherever you're from, or to get hundreds of thousands of people on the old port jumping in, celebrating Marseille's most famous old football club winning their first... What about, did you tro- see those celebrations around Trocadero? Yeah. In, se- <laughs> in, in 17 years. So, sorry. So, Mamadou Nyong, 18 goals in 32 games in the title-winning season. After that, he played two more league hand games for Marseille and didn't score before he joined Fenerbahce. Then came back to the French game with Arles Avignon in Ligue 2 in the 14-15 season and scored two in 16 in Ligue 2. So, Mamadou Nyong, no. Do you know where he plays now? Atletico Marseille. Isn't he no, part of really? their coaching setup as well? I think, I think so. That, you know, that's, he's just a Marseille legend. He's yes, from Luav. He He's from... Uh, he's from Luav with Suleiman Diawara. He's from Senegal, no? No, he's from Luav. <laughs> They're from the, uh, the tough part of Luav. Anyway. Well, I think he was born in Senegal. So, okay, we're, all right. I- Ibrahimovic won. I'm, I'm going to give some honourable mentions before I give the other two that I'm going to go for. Well, so, to, my, my, so my honourable mentions mention. would definitely go to Moussa So, but he's not in my team. No. Wissam Ben Yedda, such consistent goal-scoring record and he's not done yet for 2019. Bafatimbi Gomis, he could be much ridiculed, but... He always got his double no, always, figures. Always. Got his 20 goals in Marseille yeah. in his one season in Marseille. Marseille should have kept him. Uh, Gignac as well, not bad. Just say Lacazette. Oh, I was going to say, these are hard times for Lacazette. He's not, Lacazette's, <laughs> Lacazette's not getting in the Arsenal team. He's not even coming on against Man City. And now he's been completely ignored but, by Robbie Thompson and David Cross but, in the no, league. Look, I was a bit tongue-in-cheek in my other three. Continue but my down. logic is going to go through on the same basis as Zlatan dominating the league the league's undisputed top player from 2012 to 2016 Eden Hazard was that man for two years and although in the very first week when we did defenders I said longevity has to count Hazard was so good for those two seasons that he's going to make my team on the left which means we don't need Payet because we've got Hazard and on the right I'm going to have Kylian Mbappe because He's got three league titles already. He's exciting to watch. This is the Mbappe era for me, no matter what Neymar's claims are. He's better on the left again, though, Dave. You've got a lot of... Yeah, well, Hazard uh, can switch if he wants. Like, yeah. They'll be fine. They'll work it out amongst themselves, <laughs> Hazard, and Mbappe. Again, Mbappe, Hazard and Ibra. Yeah. I would have to uh, give that a double thumbs up. Well, I just, I, I'm looking at the all-time list of goal scorers in Ligue 1, and they're in the modern era... Jimmy Brion. In the modern era, there's no one in the top 50, apart from one. Apart from one who is head and shoulders uh, above anybody else currently playing, and that's Edinson, Edinson Cavani, Cavani, who has scored 136 goals. And who has won, uh, goodness knows how many league titles and cups and, and, and what have you. On the bench. And who is a Paris Saint-Germain legend. Absolutely. Something that Kylian Mbappe isn't yet. Something that Ibra is just about, but has been surpassed by... Can we, can we, can we squeeze Eddie in? Can we have Ibra, Eddie and, and Eden? Well, then do we drop Fabinho and play a 4-2-4? Or do we play a four-four-two and have Eden? Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you want Cavani playing wide, sacrificing himself for the good of the team again? Are you playing Ed- Eddie and Ibra up front together? I'm not sure that could work. Goodness me! I just think Mbappe in a team of the decade. The guy's twenty, yeah. but he's he incredible. was ten. He was ten at the start of the decade. <laughs> Doesn't matter. And, and everyone already knew who he was. He wasn't. He was eleven actually. He, yeah. 
he's going to turn <laughs> well, he's 21. He's done more years than Hazard did in, in Ligue 1 in this decade. And they're both going to stay in my team no he's matter what He's won the league say. three years in a row. He's the only player to have won the league three years in a row. He's only got 100 row. goals professionally. 102. So, Robbie, yeah. you, you, you would have Killian would, ahead of Edinson. I would have Killian ahead of Edinson. Because what he did with that Monaco team, let's not forget, as a 17, 18-year-old, was uh, quite remarkable as well. He hardly played for the first six months of the season. I think it was in a, a cup game that he got a hat-trick against Mess or something. And, uh, and Leo Jardim said, all right, this kid's really forcing his way in. And the, the partnership he developed with Radamel Falcao in just six months, under pressure from Paris Saint-Germain, breathing down their necks. And they okay. just kept yeah, we, we should have scoring. given an honourable mention to Radamel Falcao, Falcao as well. Falcao as well, yes, exactly. Yeah, true. Valo Germain as well. Maybe not. Well, for longevity. <laughs> Guys, we're going to confirm our... Marriott team. Balotelli. I'm going back to the hotels, 11. Hi, no. Atom Ben Arthur. <laughs> we're going to confirm our, our team of the decade next week. At the moment, our front three... <laughs> we're going to front three is Ibra through the middle. Um, Mbappe wide left, Robbie? You, th- you think more than wide right? I'd have him wide right. Wide left. I'd I would have him right. wide left. <laughs> I'm the manager. You're the yes, assistant. Okay, sorry. Mbappe wide right. Um, <laughs> and the kit man. And Eden Hazard wide left. And I think that is pretty pretty formidable. That would beat most teams. But um, we're going to discuss with producer Ian because we've, we've also got a substitutes bench. Exactly. Dimitri Payet looks like he's going to be on it. Can I just say... We I, also have Armel and Andy and JJ... Jonathan Johnson was going to be here today as well to have his word oh, as for well. For a moment, so, I thought you had JJ Okocha coming in. <laughs> so we have a, a, a few other voices that uh, perhaps want to have their say in this. Yes, but that, that's 11. how it's looking. And I would just like to say, I really would like to find a place on the bench for Suleiman Kamara. Just because this guy, no, no, seriously, this guy won the league. Well, first of all, well, he, he's played, he's, he could he be in the team in for the, the last Monaco, two decades. He was in the Monaco side or squad, at least in 2004, when they got to the Champions League final. I think, didn't he win the league in 2001? He was in the Senegal. Yeah, he no. He won the league in 2012 with Mon- with uh, Montpellier. He was in the Senegal squad that that saw off France in 2002. But anyway, but this guy is super sub par excellence. Mm. Absolutely, so, better than Nemanja Radonjic. Are we doing subs now, or is that are we next doing, week? <laughs> no, we'll confirm the subs ne- next week. I think we need to talk a bit more about the weekend's action, guys, because yeah. a lot did happen. Um, but that was our that was our team of the decade. They were our forwards. We're going to congratulations to the uh, to the eleven. As a tribute, I'm looking forward to the awards night. As a tribute to our left winger Eden Hazard, we're going to talk about Lille now. And uh, Robbie Thompson had uh, had another game busy weekend for very you, busy, Robbie. Lille against Montpellier. Here's what happened. Shellek forward towards Ozymen. Hilton's header only finds Bomba. Oh, now Ozymen is in here. Danger. Really coming out. Penalty. Jonathan Ikoni in the end to take this penalty. Five minutes before half time. And Ikoni scores. Suke. His cross is a good one. Molle's header. And they've stunned Lil here. Andy Delore. Good ball. Ikoni's little touch for Sanchez. Sanchez still shoots and scores. It took a big deflection on the way through. But Renato Sanchez has got his first goal in French football. Robbie Lille 2, uh, Montpellier 1. It was looking like Montpellier had done enough to, to get a point with that Delors equaliser. But Renato Sanchez with the winner. 
capping a, a brilliant individual performance from him. It was. It was the best. Uh, I think everyone is unanimous in this, saying it's the best Renato Sanchez performance we've seen in France, probably in the last few seasons. Whether this is the player that everyone was raving about four years ago now as an 18-year-old in the Portugal national team at Euro 2016, have to wait and see. He's a different type of player from the one, and I admit I haven't seen much of him, neither has anyone probably at Bayern Munich over the last few seasons and various loan spells. But, but this was a player who's playing wide, on the right, so not in a central midfield position. He's playing on the right side of a, a four-man midfield and incredibly explosive. I remember I was reading in my pre-match uh, preparation for the game that uh, Galtier said he's just a ball of muscle and he, he needed to be fit. He's very impatient. He wants to be the star of the show. He, he, he has a big ego. He wants to perform. He did just that, but his explosiveness from a standing start of taking players on and just going straight past them uh, was very impressive. Uh, he, he does look the goods and he enjoyed scoring that goal and every, all, every teammate enjoyed him scoring that goal as well. Yeah, Ikone also uh, getting another one from the penalty spot. Yeah, he's up to three, as many as he got last season. Uh, yeah, he's playing quite well though, Dave. Is that, is that a dig, Dave? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Victor Ossiman took the, uh, the last penalty right at the end and uh, had it saved. Another by, saved penalty. Well, there were, like I said, by four. Geronimo Rulli. Exactly. But the penalty award, um, the first one, the first one for the first penalty, it went to the video assistant referee, uh, apparently. And yes, Geronimo came flying out, but he made the save. Are you going to, are you going to, no. Well, I was wondering if the okay, penalty was Let awarded. Me, no, I'm just queued up again. Because he, cause he came running out screaming, Geronimo! Okay, so That's he came out, name, yeah. he came charging out, Geronimo Rulli. I got more of a laugh before the pod with that one. It was. Well, we were, we, I wanted to try and set it up better. But anyway, <laughs> he made the save it's, with his hands. It's all got a bit on Rulli now. It was underwhelming. Ossiman let himself fall, if you, if you like. And we see this again. It was the same for the mess penalty uh, uh, against Sakai. Oppa Nget falling into Iroki Sakai, who tried to get out of the way. And should never have been given as a penalty either. Both went to the, the VAR and both the VAR said, look, referee, you made the call. Let's stick with it. Neither Rulli were penalties. Got, Rulli got the for, ball, didn't he? For Rulli, he got the ball. And yes, he went, he, you know, he throws himself at the feet of the striker. But that's how goalkeepers have, have come out for, in the history of all football. So now to say, you can't do that anymore, goalkeepers. You have to make a clean challenge. Look, if it was in the midfield, if it was a midfielder on another midfielder, you'd probably give it as a, as a foul. But goalkeepers, that this is how you goalkeep. This is how you keep goal. <laughs> you you come flying out and you, yeah. and you dive at the feet and you take the feet. If you get the ball, it's allowed. And for some reason, in this moment, it wasn't allowed. Penalty, but yeah, so tough. tough. Lille have won four in a row now. They're third in the standings. I didn't say that uh, Paris Saint-Germain are officially the champion d'automne. Five wins in a row for Paris for the first time this season. Five wins in a row for Paris. So they will finish top at Christmas. They get the honorary prize of uh, champion d'automne, autumn champions, uh, for some reason. Not winter or Christmas. But um, uh, Marseille are also... <laughs> Maybe cert- they can get a half-season ticket to Toulouse for that. <laughs> Plenty going. Marseille certain to finish in, uh, in second place, finish the end of the year uh, in second place. Uh, another team struggling somewhat, Monaco, they're down not in ninth position, level on points with, uh, with Leon. Those two teams have ambitions of finishing in the top three. I don't think I'm going to tee up Dave's commentary of this because there wasn't very no, much. Try and find some highlights, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't very much commentary. Dave sort of fell asleep. Did he fall asleep or did he no, manage I, to I keep I spoke going? a lot. 
Uh, I think I kept my enthusiasm levels impressively high. Angers nil, Monaco nil, the uh, the scoreline. And uh, Stefan Moulin coming out and saying, listen, our, our main objective was to stifle the Monaco threat. They did that. Monaco had just two shots on target. And uh, Dave, um, Monaco... One of those was a back pass. <laughs> Monaco up, up and down. We've got um, an email in from... Uh, from our loyal uh, listener, Armand Khan, who says, listen, if Monaco can improve their defence and improve their away record, can they finish in the top three? I still think they potentially can finish in the top three, but they've got to get better. They're six points back from Lille. Their game in hands against Paris Saint-Germain. They play Lille uh, at the Stade Louis Deux this weekend in week 19, and then their next two league games are against PSG. So we'll know a lot more in three matches time. Jardim is trying to play with a back four now with Jemison at right back, which is strange but it means that he has more players in defense to try and but they look lopsided a little bit Fabregas is still not playing properly uh, but they've got that goal threat with Slimani and Ben Yedder, even if they were both quiet at the weekend Slimani yeah, returning does. from injury and playing on the left hand side where he's just not as effective as if he plays as part of a front but two. we've sort of been saying for a long time Leon Monaco dropping points but they can still finish top three but now we have some teams who are actually piecing together some runs. You know, Lille, Rennes and Marseille. And it is looking like no, it's going to get tougher. They're showing Lyon Monaco what you have to do. Guys, we're, uh, no double headers uh, next weekend because all the games are being played at the same time. Um, 20.45 local time on Saturday night. We've got uh, 10 games and we're going to take our pick. We're going to decide where we want to go before Christmas for this final round of games. All right, I'm going to start off by suggesting a southern derby because there's a bit of needle between uh, between Marseille and Nîmes. Um, they don't like each other very much. This is a game that Marseille have got to win. They went on that great run of six victories in a row. We haven't mentioned them, actually. They drew 1-1 um, away to Mets. A disappointing scoreline, that. Um, but if they can get three points, it would be a terrific end to a terrific first half of the season. And it also means I will be uh, just next to my in-laws who live just outside Marseille and I'll be able to go there for Christmas um, without worrying about train strikes and getting back to Paris. There's a bit of needle between Nîmes and everyone, isn't there, really? They're that, really that team, everyone hates us, we don't care. A little bit, yeah. They're like the Leeds of France, except a bit small, <laughs> smaller club, smaller town. Um, Robbie, Dave? Yeah, I'm going to go to Dijon against Metz. None of those, neither of those clubs. I don't believe correct you. Correct English. <laughs> um, want to be in the top three going into the winter break. So I think there'll be tension there. And I might even see a goal. I, we didn't have time for coup de goal this weekend, but if I was angry with anyone, it was with Eduardo Camavinga for scoring because I felt like the weekend's commentary for me deserved two nil-nils. It was appalling. But Dave, you, you've had a hard weekend. You said that you said that Dijon and Metz are, are, are aiming to not finish in the top three. In the bottom three. Bottom three, Sorry, yeah. yeah. It's, it has yeah, no, it's a relegation six points. It's been a very <laughs> tough weekend and I've done far too much cycling. It's addled my brain. I know Ligue 1 is tight, but Dijon and Metz are not going to finish in the top three uh, this year. Robbie? Uh, Rance Leon for me. I'll pick up a bit of champagne for the Christmas festivities while I'm there. <laughs> and uh, Rance, their defence is still the best in the league, equal with Paris Saint-Germain. And it'll be interesting to see how Leon cope without their two uh, most a- attacking players to see if they can do anything about it. Yeah, nil-nil or, or do you fancy Boulay Dia, your, your man? Ooh, could be. Udan's the man in form. Udan is the man Scored in with form. his right foot again, Dave, I saw. Incredible. Listen... Ligan may have dropped off a little bit in the goal scoring ranks, but it will be back after 35 goals scored last weekend. There was, uh, there was a little bit of a break, but before Christmas, they like to go out 
with a bang. So make sure you uh, you keep your eye on the Ligue 1 action this weekend. And of course, we'll be back with uh, the final Le Bourge of, uh, of 2019. We'll have confirmation of our team of the decade. If you want to get involved, please let us know your thoughts. Ligue 1 podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag Le Bourge from uh, everybody here. David Crossan. Bye-bye. Robbie Thompson. Bye-bye. And uh, me, Matt Spira. Bye-bye. We'll see you again very soon. Ciao. Oh, what a goal! And Kylian Mbappe wraps it up.